Hey guys, what's going on? This is Father Matt. Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, we are going to talk today about chapter 12 uh, from Frank Sheed's A Map of Life, uh, Supernatural Life, How It Works in the Soul. Uh, first, I do want to let you know, um, I will be um, live streaming Mass and Adoration tomorrow night. So I'm recording this Tuesday night. Uh, so this will be Wednesday uh, April 15th, uh, Mass will begin at 8 p.m. Uh, it'll be live streamed on our Facebook page, and I'll do adoration afterwards um, uh, with exposition and benediction. So at the very least, if you want to laugh at my singing, you'll have an opportunity to at exposition and then again at benediction. And see, it's the Easter season, so we're not going to sing the Salve Regina. We sing Regina Chaley. So um, it's not as long as Salve Regina, but, you know. As hard as it is for you to believe, I'm probably worse at singing the Regina Chaley than I am the Salva Regina. All right, let's talk about chapter 12. Um, we're going to really, basically two questions we look at in this chapter. Uh, we're going to look at what is the supernatural life of grace in itself and what's its effect upon the soul. Um, and so he begins, you know, there's, a, there's an important principle here. That's that when we look at what is the supernatural life of grace and what its effect on the soul is, and the principle is this, grace does not destroy nature. Grace perfects nature. It elevates nature. It builds upon nature. It does not destroy nature, okay? Um, so she said that, uh, she writes, Christ did not give new faculties to the soul, but he gave the existing faculties of the intellect and will, new powers of action, powers to act above their natural level. So remember um, a couple of chapters back, I talked about what a faculty of the soul is, right? A faculty is the power or ability to do or make something. Uh, faculties dispose a person to operate in a specific way for a specific purpose. So the faculty of the intellect is, um, is, is the capacity to know right? The, the faculty of the intellect is the capacity to know reality, to know the truth, all right? To understand, to kind of dig deeper into this, I should say, she goes through a basic theological and philosophical understanding of the human person, all right? Man is a body-soul composite. We are composed of body and soul. The soul has two faculties, the intellect and the will, the intellect and the will. Uh, now, every faculty uh, that we have has its own proper action, number one, proper action, and number two, proper object. Okay, so like, let's look at the intellect. What is the action of the intellect? It's to know, all right? What is its object? Truth. The will has its action to love and its object, goodness, okay? Since God is the highest truth and supreme goodness, so our soul has as its highest task knowing and loving God. And he has these neat diagrams in this chapter that, that explain this. Now, is this something that is possible through our nature to know and love God? Well, in a sense, yes, it is. And this is what Sheet is getting at. There is a knowing and loving according to human nature, yet God has called us to a deeper and more intimate knowing and loving. 
to see him as he is in himself face to face, to see him according to a supernatural knowledge, to love him according to a supernatural love. And for this, we need something over and above our nature, something that supernaturalizes us, namely grace, a share in God's own nature. All right. When grace comes in the intellect and will, uh, when, when grace comes into a soul, the intellect and will are supernaturalized. Their nature is not destroyed, but it's given the power of higher action. Okay. And, you know, Sheet is going to uh, show how uh, this higher action is brought about through the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. These are stable uh, habits, stable dispositions that are infused in a soul uh, at baptism, right? A soul in the state of grace. So the faculty uh, is, uh, so, so the faculty, either intellect or will, is given the power of higher action, uh, and that action is elevated. The object stays the same. That's really important. The object stays the same, but the action is what's on steroids, so to speak, spiritual steroids. So we look at the faculty of the intellect. It still has the object of truth, but since its action is elevated, um, it can know a higher truth, so to speak. All right. Why can it know a higher truth, so to speak? Well, because of the virtue of divine faith, right? Faith is a theological virtue infused in the soul by God's sanctifying grace. So faith enables us to believe that what God has revealed to us is true. Why? Uh, well, we believe it's true not because it's because we were able to use the light of natural reason to put everything together, but because of the authority of God who revealed it, because God cannot deceive nor be deceived. That's the virtue of faith, right? It's this, the virtue of faith, this, um, the theological virtue of faith is our response aided by grace to God's revelation. Okay. All right. I lost my place. Let me, there it is. Okay. Sorry about that. If I was better at editing, I would edit that, edit that little bloop out. In regards to the will, we still have the the object stays the same, right? Goodness. But our action is elevated to the supernatural order, all right? So that we love God with the theological virtue of charity, with the divine love. Charity is an infused supernatural virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and love others for God's sake. And the will is rendered capable of another action, uh, hope. Okay, so um, this is something of a, of a new action, uh, and that is of aspiring to God in reliance upon his power and goodness. Hope belongs to the will and makes a person desire eternal life, right? To, to see eternal life as the highest um, good, right? Which is the heavenly vision of God, which is this intimate knowing and loving of God. And it gives us the confidence of receiving the grace necessary to reach heaven, Okay. Um, hope and charity, they need faith, right? We can't hope if we don't know that, uh, God is on, God is all good and, and, and all powerful, right? If we, if we don't know that, uh, God's going to give us the grace necessary to receive heaven, we can't hope in him. Uh, if we don't know that our highest good 
is the heavenly vision of God. We can't desire it as the greatest good. If we don't know God uh, according to this higher truth, this higher knowledge, uh, we can't love him, right? And I mean, we couldn't love God above all things uh, for God's own sake by our own efforts alone, right? I mean, these aren't actions we could do without the aid of grace. At this point, she begins speaking about the beatific vision, seeing God as he is in himself. And he points out a difficulty with the beatific vision. And what's that difficulty? We don't, by our own power, have the direct vision of anything. All right. Now, what is she getting at here? It sounds very complicated, but it is pure common sense. All right. I'll admit there is some complicated philosophy behind what he's saying, but the conclusion is pure common sense. All right. As creatures composed of body and soul, our knowledge always begins where? It begins in the senses, right? So she writes, when I claim to know another person, I mean that a certain idea, an image of him is present in my mind and not the man himself. It is by means of this idea and image that I know him. Okay. All right. Let's use an example, a hypothetical. I know a man. Let's call him Frank. I met Frank five years ago. I see him with my eyes. I form an image of him in my mind based off my sense perception. I know this image based off my sense perception. Now, the sense perception corresponds to reality, and thus I know Frank, but it isn't Frank in my mind. Right. So this is at one and the same time, simple common sense, and it's very complicated philosophically, right? So we have sense perception, sense per the we perceive something, we form an image in our mind, and that image is what we know. As long as that image corresponds to reality, what we know is true, okay? Yet in heaven, we are told that we will know God directly, not by means of an idea in our mind. But that's how our mind is set up. Our mind knows through these images or ideas. So what does this mean? Well, this means that, um, you know, there are a couple of things that follow from this. Frank Sheed doesn't talk about any of these. Uh, excuse me, he talks about only one of these, and that is that we won't need faith in heaven. I really hope he didn't kind of go through all of that stuff about how, uh, you know, we know through senses and images and ideas and just to say that we won't need faith in heaven, because that would have been a lot more simpler just to say, hey, uh, you know, in heaven, we'll see God as he is, so we won't need faith. But Nonetheless, he chose to go this route. But since we will know God intimately, and since love and knowledge are so profoundly connected, uh, not only will we have this intimate knowledge of God, but but our love of Him will be um, greater and uh, be of a much greater intensity. Then he shifts gears to talk about how we can lose the supernatural life of grace through mortal sin. Um, you know, even after baptism, even after these theological virtues are infused into our soul, we still have a fallen nature. Uh, and he talks about how when it comes to the theological virtues and mortal sin, right? Mortal sin is what cuts us off from the supernatural life of grace. Venial sin weakens it. When it comes to um, mortal sin and the theological virtues, uh, mortal sin is is totally in, in, um, incompatible with charity. All right. So 
A soul in mortal sin can still have faith and even hope, but not the theological virtue of charity. Why? Because by a mortal sin, the bond of love is broken. A grave sin involves the deliberate rejection of God, right? A grave sin involves the deliberate rejection of God. Now, someone might say, hey, look, I mean, I'm not rejecting God. I'm just choosing to cheat on my wife. Okay, right. But you're choosing something God has commanded you not to. Uh, you're choosing something gravely wrong to violate your marriage vows uh, that you took, you know. So uh, even, you know, um, if the sin is not apostasy, which would be denying the faith, uh, grave mortal sin involves a deliberate rejection of God. He then transitions to talk about the effects um, in, in kind of greater detail, the effects of the supernatural life of grace upon the soul. So the first result of the possession of the supernatural life is that in, the, in this life, we have access to God by the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. He talks a lot about that. Secondly, we are enabled to perform actions which will merit a supernatural reward. Um, that makes sense, right? I mean, if these faculties enable us to perform supernatural acts of faith and charity and hope, it follows we ought to be capable of a supernatural reward. And he talks here about actual grace. Uh, actual grace, he calls it an impulse, God moving the soul, giving it a kind of impetus. Um, what would be an example of this? He, uh, Let me see what he does in his book, uh, in this chapter, see if he actually... Uh, talks about it. He says, uh, this must be distinguished from, yeah, he pretty much distinguishes it from sanctifying grace, uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't give much in the way of uh, an example. So I, I read a book uh, recently about a man named uh, Sora Bamadi. He converted to Catholicism from Islam. Actually, uh, actually he, he went from Islam to atheism, to Protestantism, to Catholicism. But anyways, as a young man, he, he's about my age. I'm, I'm 35. He's, he's around my age. Uh, and when he was in his 20s working, he was in New York City, and he was just kind of walking around this block, kind of depressed, waiting for his train. He lived up in Boston or around Massachusetts, and you know he's just walking around the block, waiting for this train, trying to kill time. And there was a Catholic church having mass. This was on a Sunday evening. And he, de he decided to go inside for whatever reason. And he has this dramatic experience when the priest elevates the hosts. And, and he is just floored by what he experiences. He finds himself crying and um, can't explain it. Well, this sets him on, uh, sets him in motion towards ultimately uh, him becoming Catholic. What was that? It was an actual grace and a pretty strong one of that. It was God giving him the impulse to go in this church. Now it didn't override his free will. He could have ignored it. Um, but, but God gave him that grace to go into his church to eventually, to eventually um, receiving the supernatural life of grace in baptism. Okay. The third result of the supernatural life of grace, the man's soul is fitted for heaven. Uh, Fourth result, adopted sons and daughters of God. We are God's creatures by birth, uh, by grace, uh, by sanctifying grace. We are the adopted sons and daughters of God in Christ. Okay. 
Kevin transitions to say we are now at last in a position to take stock of the life of the member of Christ Church, of the Catholic Church. We are a cell in the mystical body of Christ. Um, you know, he he basically at this point, he has a beautiful reflection on the mystical body of Christ in this final part of the chapter. It's pretty straightforward, but but I think it's a it's a worthy reflection, uh, one that that I would I would even encourage you to to take to prayer. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. I don't know that I want to pick it apart with commentary. Um, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. This was a pretty deep chapter. Um, if you have questions about grace, uh, the theological virtues, uh, there is a lot more we could say. Um, I tried to keep this podcast short because the last one was long. Um, I was tempted in a number of places to go off on tangents, but I didn't. But Anyways, if you do have questions, please email them to me. I hope all is well. Be assured of my prayers. And if you have time tomorrow night, join the live stream mass and adoration. Thanks and God bless, guys.